Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. I'm delighted to say back on the show alongside me, uh, the brilliant Adrian Clark. Adrian, it's been a little while, mate. How have you been? How have you been coping uh, with the title race nerves? Uh, it's good to be back on, Harry. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Um, I've been good. Yeah, I mean, I'm loving this season. Part of a title race. I mean, it's unexpected isn't it but but we've we've stuck around we've shown great character some we've had some amazing moments great great matches and okay a little bit of a wobble across the last last week or so which has got everyone feeling very nervous but i'd much rather be part of this part of this duel for silverware rather than watching on from afar it's been a brilliant campaign loving it yeah, it, it, do you know what it is for me? And I've, I've said this a million and one times on this podcast. People are probably sick of hearing it. But <laughs> for me, it was that at the start of the season, I wasn't sort of mentally prepared for this. Mm. And so, yes, like you, I'm, I'm loving it and I'm enjoying it. And, you know, you have to enjoy these moments. But at the same time, I'm really struggling with the nerves. Every game feels like a final. You know, it feels like when you're being chased by a juggernaut like Manchester City, you can ill afford to slip up yeah. at any point. And so when you do, it is quite easy to fall into that sort of downbeat mode. But you, you don't really want to be there, do you? Not really. No, I mean, there is a generation of Arsenal fans and some of them might be watching watching this show that haven't seen Arsenal in a title race or can't remember Arsenal challenging like like we have done this season. So it all feels very new. And the, the thing is, it's very rarely a serene procession to, to the Holy Grail. You know, you, you get a lot of ups and downs in these kind of scenarios. It feels right now like Man City are invincible and that they're, they're not going to drop any points ever. But the truth is, you know, they lost to Brentford at home. They, they drew with Everton at home. They drew at Forest. You know, they're not infallible. Like if they have an off day, they could drop points. And... As we've shown, we can go seven games winning streak. That might be what we need now. Um, and if we can, then we all get what we want. But yeah, I think I think it's the wrong time to start saying, oh, that's it. It's all done. It's all yeah. done. It's, we've blown it. I've not seen a single, I've not seen anything that indicates a lack of bottle from the team that they're going to crack. We've had a couple of indifferent halves of football and 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 that's it. The rest of you know, for the majority of this season, this team has, has been one to be very proud of. And I think Arsenal supporters should absolutely keep the faith and, and stick with the team. What did you make of, of yesterday's performance then? What was your kind of assessment of the 2-2 draw? Because after, what, 15 minutes or so, it looked like Arsenal were cruising to a victory. But in the end, it all kind of went a little bit sour in that 
Not only did Arsenal concede a couple of goals, but they didn't really look like they were ever going to find a winner after the penalty miss, which was disappointing for me. Yeah, no, it was. It was one of the most disappointing matches of the season so far. Um, obviously, losing at Everton was a real disappointment, wasn't it? Um, the City defeat at home. But yeah, this this felt very different to the Liverpool one, where I felt you know, you're up against a, a juggernaut of a team and that, that you know are capable of, of doing that to anybody. But West Ham haven't been very good this season. We had them where we wanted. The crowd were quiet. They're on the players' backs. And we allowed them an avenue back into it. And why did we allow them an avenue back into it? That's the that's the question. I think that's what everyone's trying to work out, really. Um, for me, I think the absentees made a big difference. I really do. It's Inchenko and Saliba. Because of the progressive passing, because of their quality out from the back, because of the control they give the team, I felt that that their absence made a big difference. And it, and I think West Ham smelt blood when we were playing out from the back. And they were really honest in a way that West Ham don't always play, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and and they, they made it a transitional game where they could come at us on the break from midfield. And that was exactly what we didn't want because they've got Bowen and Antonio and we've got Holding who's got a, a lack of pace at the back. So it, it became a the type of match West Ham wanted it to be because we didn't have our usual control. That's my sort, That's my overriding assessment. There are other bits and pieces too that I'm sure we'll get to. This whole thing with William Saliba, obviously we know that he's out and, you know, Mikel Arteta said we're hoping to have him back in the next few weeks. And we know that with, with Mikel Arteta at the helm, this kind of information, it, do, it doesn't get out. It, it doesn't make its way to the fans. You know, yeah, exactly. If, if he was fit to play on Friday, he wouldn't tell us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And so you have to take what Mikel Arteta says with a pinch of salt when it comes to that type of thing. But I mean, I'm really struggling with the holding thing at centre back, not because I don't like the guy, not because I don't think he's a decent centre half, just because stylistically for me, he really doesn't fit with a lot of the things that we like to do. Mm-hmm. Um would you be tempted, and, and this is a question that I've I've had sent to me a few times over the last few days, would you be tempted to try something different or is that, you know, too unsettling? Would would that be an even greater risk? Because it feels like, like you said, we, we can't progress the ball out as well as we can, uh, as well as we normally do, I should say. And I think we're struggling a little bit on the transition with, with Rob Holding at centre-half. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when we lose the ball in the middle of the park and teams run at us, we look very vulnerable and it's made, it's forcing players to make panicky decisions. Um, the Tommy Asu injury is a, is, is a double blow, isn't it? It's a double whammy yeah. because I think he would have played there. I don't think we'd have moved Ben White back inside. I think Tommy Asu would have, would have, would have been alongside Gabriel. <clears throat> and so effectively he's the third choice, right? Right side centre back. So, you know, that, that's a disadvantage. Um, I don't know about changing it from the start, but definitely from the bench. I think that there was an opportunity the other day to maybe go to a back three where whereby you bring on a trossard, but you don't necessarily sacrifice Gabriel Jesus for it. I would have liked to have seen Jesus stay on the pitch because we were chasing the goal. I know he was on a yellow, um, but you know he's our most likely goal getter. So, you could have gone with Trossard and Jesus up front and maybe taken off somebody else in, in midfield, you know, to, to facilitate that. White and Gabriel as right side, left side centre-backs with holding in the middle. 
makes holding feel better. Yeah. And it provides a quite a nice balance, actually. Um, Saka is more than capable of playing at, at, at right wing back in a game that you you where you dominate possession. And obviously on the other side, you could use Tierney there or you could have used Martinelli and, you know, flipped it around. So, um, yeah, but going to a back three mid-game is something I'm surprised we haven't seen because we did see it in pre-season. It worked really well in pre-season. And, yeah, I think it's an option that, that I'd like to see us try between now and the end of the season, especially when the game state says, we need a goal. We need a, yeah. we need a bit more chaos up front. Yeah, for sure. I mean... This whole sort of dropping off in the second half thing, I, like you, don't think the Anfield one was that big a deal. It's Anfield. It can happen. What did you put yesterday's drop-off down to? Because I thought it all just got a little bit sloppy. I mean, Thomas Partey's been faultless this season, but that decision to try and lift the ball over the oncoming Declan Rice was strange for me. And after that, I never really felt he recovered from sort of making that mistake. Do you put what happened yesterday down to individual errors? Is it something deeper than that? I don't think so. Um, I think there was an element, an element of us just taking our foot off the gas. Right? I don't think this team is arrogant in a way that it would feel complacent on purpose. It, it might be that they got edgier. Personally, I think they just took their foot off, and and it's something that, that, that champions probably don't do too often. It's when you've got someone, when you've got someone where you want them, I think you you don't give them a sniff. You either go for the jugular, you go for that third, or if you want to have a breather, you just absolutely control the match and you just knock it around. And I think that's what we tried to do. We tried to just say, right, oh, let's have it, let's knock it around, just play keep ball, really frustrate West Ham. But because of our absentees, because Thomas Partey was a little bit casual, he wasn't at his sharpest. You could probably say the same for Xhaka. And maybe even Erdegaard after after what was a really bright spell at the start, I think because it was slightly off it, we got caught. And West Ham, mainly through Declan Rice, but but generally they pressed us pretty well and and they create these dangerous moments. And then it becomes a the sort of game, like you say, a back and back and forth game, which we don't want when Rob Holden's at the back there. Um, so yeah, it's a bit, it all become a bit uncomfortable. It is hard to put your finger on it, but but yeah, I'd like to see us the next time we go a couple of goals up. I'd like to see us, you know, push for that third or at least maintain the same intensity. Um, what I thought happened with my own eyes was that we stopped. We didn't work as hard. Like when we had the ball, when a player has the ball, when we're at it, he's got two or three options because players are buzzing around them, moving. That kind of stopped. And obviously, when we don't have the ball. When we're at it, we're pressing. It's all very organised. We're hungry. And that stopped. Uh, and when those two sides at once just taper off a little bit, you lose your edge. And that's what happened, you know, as far as I can see anyway. I haven't watched the game back yet in, in, in its entirety. But, yeah, that's the feeling I had. And it is the Premier League, right? You you, hmm. you give somebody a sniff. There is a chance yeah. that they'll punish you. And, yeah. you know... As we said, the Liverpool one, okay, it happens. You take it. If you'd have asked me to sign for a point when I was driving up to Anfield last Sunday, I'd have taken it. But this one, you felt like there was that little bit more disappointment because of yeah. the season that West Ham have had. And, you know, the London Stadium, it's a lot of things. You can't say that it's a place with a raucous atmosphere most of the time, especially when West Ham are losing. No. And um, And I thought... 
we gave them something to cheer about. This whole mm. thing, though, this conversation that's been going on over the last sort of week or so about Arsenal igniting away crowds. I mean, you played the game at a professional level. You, you can't think about that, can you, as a player when you go out onto the pitch? You can't have that in your mind. No, no, you don't. I mean, some players like to do it. <laughs> you know, they like to rile up the crowd. I don't really see that with this group. And I didn't think that Xhaka did it on purpose. I think he was frustrated. I think the referee on that Liverpool game was um, was weak. He was letting too many things go. It was a blatant push on Xhaka. And I think he was just frustrated. And he shouldn't have had his arm up for, on Trent. But it wasn't a, that aggressive at all, to be honest. It was Ar- Trent Alexander-Arnold that came at him. He was the one that really got the situation sparked. And, and even so, even after that, it, it was only less than a minute when Liverpool scored. And, and the goal had zero to do with Granit Xhaka. Zero. It had something to do with Erdegaard not following his runner on the overlap. And it had something to do with the, you know, the luck of the run of the ball with Henderson's sort of attempted shot going in the one place that we couldn't defend ahead of Salah. That's what it was. It was nothing to do with Xhaka. And from that moment, the game changed. Even so, I've got to say, against Liverpool, we created good opportunities, even in the mm. second half, on the counter, we looked pretty assured for a lot of that game. It was only really the last 10 where we we really rocked and we did rock and, and we needed Aaron Ramsdale to be unbelievable. Um, yeah, against West Ham, just flat, wasn't it? It was, um, we didn't have that spark. We didn't have players taking that responsibility and saying, give it to me. I'm going to be the hero today. It felt like, yeah, like everyone was waiting for each other to make it happen, which... Is rare for this season. We haven't seen a lot of that, have we? So, yeah, I, I totally get the frustration. I, I was as frustrated as everyone. But I'm not going to suddenly write off the team and say that we've lost it. Yeah. Because I don't think we have. Has your, has your sort of, how do I put this? Are you less confident of Arsenal going on and finishing the job now off the back of those last two results? Or... Uh, are you still sort of unwavered in, in kind of your belief? <laughs> oh, for I've always been, I, I've always been on the sort of, like, if it happens, it happens. I'm trying to, I, I haven't ever allowed myself to believe it's happening. I, I just can't do it. And I think a lot of Arsenal fans are like that. If it wasn't City chasing us down, then I'd, I'd be still be super confident. But I think the bookmakers probably have it about right with City being the favourites now. Um, but that doesn't mean it's over. In in the blink of that game, you know, blink of an eye, that game at the Etihad, we get something. Everything can change, and and City might take their eye off the ball in one or two of the games. They've got Brighton away. That's tough um, when that finally gets rearranged. So, yeah, no, there's loads. There's loads to come. Loads to come. Um, but yeah, at the moment, I think City are marginal favourites. Um, as they should be, because they've, yeah. know, they've got an absolute monster up front, probably got the best manager uh, in the world. They've got pretty much unlimited funds. It's a miracle, really, that we are where we are. I mean, I looked at, who was it? Uh, Paul Hayward, I think, put out a tweet yesterday. Great tweet. In the last five seasons, the closest Arsenal have ever come to the champions is 24 points. It ranges between 24 points and 43 points across the last five years. The fact that we're actually ahead of City at this stage represents a massive step forward. So let's all calm down a little bit and try and enjoy it. You're absolutely right. And and I always say this, you know, whenever I sort of 
I'm doing any work. I, I always say, look, if you'd have asked me at the start of the season, would I've loved to be in this position or would I've taken this position? I'd have said absolutely 100%. Yes, of course, the expectation level changes over the course of the season. But I always say that the prediction you make at the start of the season is probably the best one because <laughs> there is no recency bias. Like there is no, you know, what happened last week or the week before that. There isn't as much emotion because the season hasn't got going yet. So that normally gives you the better indication of where your team should end up. And then mm. over the course of the season, things happen that change that and impact that. Mm. And obviously this season, we're in a place where, you know, we could go on and win the league, which is amazing. But mm. the objective would have been to get into the Champions League. And and that feels like, well, we're going to do that. Yeah. So that's job done, isn't it? Anything else is a, is a bonus or is that a, a defeatist attitude? <laughs> well, no, we, we, it is mission accomplished in terms of Champions League. Yeah, my prediction, well, not prediction, my goal was third or fourth. So I thought we were capable of third, but it was unlikely. But I did think we should have got fourth last year and that we would get it this year. Um, so to be where we are... <laughs> It's, it's way ahead of, of expectation. But look, because of where we are, it will be heartbreaking if we if we miss out now. If we if we end up second, it will be gutting. Like we'll all be we'll all feel choked about it. And rightly so. Anyone would. But does it mean we've failed? No. The opposite. Does it mean we've bottled it? No. We're up against one of the greatest teams, you know, probably the greatest team uh in European football at the moment, certainly on current form. Yeah. You know, they're a machine. Um, there is no shame in finishing second to City, but we don't want it. We want to win. And and I think we should all still believe that we can win. I, do, I really do. Because if we as supporters, especially ones that go to the games, if we start thinking, it's done, we're not going to win, and, the, and that reflects in the atmosphere, then, then it will go on to the players and we won't so we've yeah. got to just we've got to we've almost got to create that we should not be moved siege mentality now i think as a as a, as a fan base and hope that it transmits to the players and because if we believe and they feel we believe then i think they they will and, and i think they do anyway but but that can yeah. be lost yeah for sure and look let's bounce back on friday let's let's yeah. move forward from There's that a and lot then, of noise <laughs> yeah exactly i mean City is a game coming up, uh, which is just around the corner. Look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm confident that we go there. Yeah. And we Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill win because it's a difficult place to go they've beaten <clears> us <throat> twice this season um and and there'll be plenty riding on this one you feel like they'll just be just as up for it as we are it's a must win for them not necessarily a must win for us more like a must not lose um but yeah i mean we've got to take it one game at a time and i think what we sometimes do as fans is we look at certain fixtures so for example west ham away and we say well it's west ham they're in the relegation fight nothing less than three points will do but then we might pick up three points in a game that we thought maybe a point was reasonable. You, we saw that a lot last season. I remember we we dropped points in a couple of home games and then we went and won at Chelsea and then we beat Manchester United. And you're sitting there going, well, we've still got the points total that we wanted just in a different way. So football can surprise you like that. 
Of course it can. Yeah, and we've still got, you know, we've still got guys like Saka and Martinelli and Jesus. You know, Jesus is in the goals. Martinelli is in the goals. Saka has faded a little bit of late, but everything about his career so far tells you that when he has a setback, he'll bounce back. He's just a yeah. really strong character. Erdegaard scored, which was great. Um, so look, the, the forward guys are in good nick. Um, you know, midfield, maybe there's been a slight, you know, the last couple of games not quite as good. Um, and at the back, clearly we've, we've we've addressed that already. Hopefully Zinchenko will will return. I think he's quite big. And look, if I'm, I'm sure that if Saliba is good to go, or at least good to have a painkiller uh, to say, <laughs> all right, then get me out there, then then they'll do that, especially for that City game. But I saw, you know, I watched the Bayern game. You know, Bayern, very good team, Bayern Munich. Um, they caused City problems. You know, they, were, they had them at str- for an hour. They kept them very interested. It was only towards the end where they, they cracked a little bit. Um, and that's how hard it is against City. But you never, and as well, you never know. You could, we could get ourselves a lead at City and then something happens. They could get a player sent off. You get a cheap penalty out of nothing. We, you know, two 0 is probably the worst scoreline we could have there. But you know <laughs> what I mean. I, I still don't. Even though we've got a horrendous record there, and that there'll be overwhelming odds on favourites to win the game, I do think we the way we're set up, and I saw enough in that performance at Liverpool to suggest that we can play with assurance and that we can slice through the lines to get at their defence. And I do think if you can get at their defence you've got a chance because Edison is not having a very good season. And I think if we can get our shots away at the Etihad, we can score. I really do. I strongly feel that. So yeah, it's maybe I'm dreaming, but it's, uh, I, I certainly have not written off this season at all. It's important. It's we nice. go to sit and play our game though, isn't it? And, and don't go there and, and give them too much respect. Oh. I think, you know, you've got to be, and you will naturally, I think, be careful at certain points in the game because you know how good they are and what they can do to you. But that would be an opportunity for Arsenal to go and really, you know, make a statement. People keep saying, oh, you know, we sit back, we get the draw, we get out of there. This team is not built, is it, to sit back and soak up pressure, especially against a side of that quality? No, nah, we've got to be proactive. We've got to play our game. We've got to be aggressive and assertive, win it in their half, get those cheap regains so we can catch them off guard. Um, I think we've got to work hard to stem the quality service into Mares, into Grealish, into Haaland. Um, what Bayern did very well, I mean, Kimmich had a, I mean, he wasn't perfect, but he, he did a pretty good job of screening it. You know, you, you've almost got to be perfect for 90 minutes against City. You've got to run hard um, and you've got to close that gap between the lines where De Bruyne and Gundogan will, will, will hurt you. But it's not impossible. Teams have done it. Brentford went there and and did it superbly. Shut off all the space between the lines and hit them on the counter. Or one was from a set piece, I think. Um, so it, it's doable. Yeah. yeah. The other day, I think City conceded from a from a set piece. Didn't they? They did concede from a set piece from a corner. You know, Suter wins the ball, falls to you know Edison doesn't deal with it. Tap in free and Acho. We can create those chances. You know, we're very good at corners. So, yeah, we've got a chance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we've always got of a chance. Course. Of we, course. Look, we score a lot of goals. Um, but it is it is the chances we're giving up at the moment that, that has got us all worried. Um, six goals conceded in the last four. Record-breaking number of big chances that Liverpool had in that game against us at Anfield. There was eight. Um, 
you know, that's a lot. So, um, yeah, there are things to fix, but we can do it. Absolutely. Uh, let's take a few of the listener questions that they've been uh, dropping into the live chat throughout the show uh, to kind of wrap up. Um, I'll take this one from Steve, but I'm going to slightly reword it because we've we've kind of touched on the fact that we don't think it's an arrogance thing, you know, in terms of Arsenal dropping off. So I'm going to slightly rephrase this. What's the manager's role when a team is obviously repeatedly, and I know it's only a couple of games, but there's a bit of a common theme, you know, going 2 nil up, maybe either stopping playing our game, maybe just getting a little bit casual. Mm. What would you, as an ex-player, expect your manager to be doing? How can Mikel Arteta try and rectify that? Yeah. I mean, it's just his messages at half-time, you know, from the side. Well, I think he'd get stuck into the players. I really do. Um, the, the moment a manager sees a team backing off, the moment they, they're not at boiling point, managers are usually on you. I think Mikel Arteta is absolutely a manager that will be on the players. He's not the sort to let things drift, is he? So it has to come from within. But I, I'm convinced that Arteta is giving the right messages. I mean, his record, you know, half time when we come out for the second half is astonishingly good. So I trust him to say the right things and get the tone right. It's got to come from the players. They've got to, yeah, they've got to make sure they make sure they learn from their mistakes. And and we've made similar mistakes in the last two games. That's it. It can't can't happen, can't happen anymore. Again. Can't happen anymore. No, um, mental, you know, mental fragility is something you, you, we all levelled at the team last year for, for good reason. They've shown a lot of mental strength this season, a lot. And I think they've earned a pass on that score, personally, yeah. um, if they have the odd dip here or there. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, question for Adrian uh, from Naki Sharma, who says, given Trossard is much better when he starts, first, do, do you think that? Do you think that Leandro Trossard is finds it easier to kind of get into the rhythm of the game when he's on the pitch from the off. I mean, some players are good at being impact subs, others not so much. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it. But yeah, I mean, he has been very good from the start, hasn't he? But the issue is, where do you play him? Yeah. Because he would really want to play in the Martinelli position, I think. Um, and Martinelli has been in excellent form. So, yeah, him and Jesus. I mean, is that the question? You know, could we could we work with them? I mean, we could. But then, then what happens in midfield? You know? Yeah, it, it leaves us lightweight there, doesn't it? Could you really have the four, the four of them, you know, up there? And then, what do you do with Erdogan? Does he not play? Does 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 he play instead of Xhaka? And I, I... would you consider taking Bukayo Saka out of the starting lineup at the moment? Because just the last couple of performances have looked a little bit tired for me. And not Only quite on form, 100%. yeah. I, I think all all players have to be, you know, um, you have to look at all the players and if they, they have a dip, take them out and give somebody else a chance. I think that's fair management, no matter what your name is. No matter what your name is. Do I think Bakayo's at that stage? Not yet. I thought I'd give him one more game for sure. I think he's been so good <laughs> that I'd want, I want to see him out there against Southampton. I'm sorry, I just want... I would rather him start than Leandro Trossard against against Southampton. That's just how I see it. What I think you could do is go with two up front um, and maybe go with three at the back. Three, yeah, yeah. I suppose a three-five-two. As I talked about earlier, White and Gabriel yeah. were holding. If and then you could have Saka on 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 one side, 
Zinchenko on the other, still keep a midfield three um, of Xhaka, Erdegaard and, and Partey and, and bring in Trotter. But then then I've just left out Martinelli, haven't I? So, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, hard, a very, it? it's a very difficult quandary. Um, I think uh, Trossard, for me, he's going to have to be the impact guy at the, at the moment. But I don't yeah. think Arteta would be afraid to drop Saka or Martinelli or even Jesus. I, I just don't. I thought that maybe yesterday was a time to take Bukayo Saka off in the dying yeah. embers of the game instead of Jesus or Martinelli. Now, I don't know physically you know, at what point they were at. We know that they're you know, mm. looking at all the analytics. They know when they're in the red, et cetera, et cetera. But I just wondered if yesterday was a time. Do you think the fact that Saka had missed the penalty put yeah. uh, Arteta off of taking him off? Because maybe yeah, that yeah. could have had a bigger impact. Definitely. Managers have to take all sorts of things into consideration, don't they? And I think he would have thought, I don't want to bury his confidence. I don't, you know, he's just missed a pen. Um, and, and you've got such trust in him, haven't you? I think we all have to bounce back that you think, ah, I'll keep him on because he'll make something happen. He'll make amends. I totally get it. But yeah, in the cold light of day, if you took all emotion out of it and you just look through the lens of that game only, I think Saka would have come off. Yeah, I do. Um, I wouldn't have taken Jesus off, I've got to say. Um, I would have probably either gone Trossard for, for Saka or Trossard for, for um, Xhaka and maybe gone with Trossard and, and Erdegaard in behind with with just the one the one holding midfielder because we were searching for that that goal. Um, that's what I would... I think if Mikel had his time again with the subs, maybe both weeks, he would have come up with something different because it, clearly the last 10 minutes at Liverpool was our worst 10 minutes. Yeah. And in this match, I couldn't help but feel in that last five, 10 minutes when we're chasing a goal, I wanted Martinelli on there. I wanted Jesus on there and it weren't. And yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't really look like scoring. Because when, you, when you're when you coming up against a low block, I, I don't know what you think. I always yeah. think that you need players that are not just going to receive the ball, look, not really see a pass and turn back and lay it off. You need people that are going to go, right, well, there is a bit of a crowd here, but I'm going to pick the ball up and I'm going to go on a dribble mm. and I'm going to see where I come out. And I might come out on the edge of the box with room to shoot. I might sort of get a little bit of fortune in the way the ball ricochets. There's so many things you can do to try and make things happen. And the two mm. players that do that most in that Arsenal side have both been taken off the pitch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I couldn't have put it better myself. Jesus in particular. If ever there's a player to play against a low block, it's Jesus because he, he can drag defenders everywhere and beat them with a dribble. It's the same with Martinelli with his explosiveness. In fairness, Trossard is a very, very good dribbler as well. Maybe we need to see a bit more of that. Mm. But yeah, I felt like Reese was running, stopping, laying it off. The same with Fabio Vieira. Um, yeah, it it was a frustrating spell. You've got to commit players. And yeah, um, it is what it is. It's, it's tough. Mikel Arteta is learning on the job as well. And he's been sensational. We all know that. We all agree on that. But he's not had to make these decisions under the pressure cooker yeah. of, of being involved in that title race, has he? And Absolutely. And I think the last two weeks, he's made he's tried to make really bold, assertive calls. Like the one at Nelson uh, against Bournemouth. That was a call no one saw coming mm. and it paid off. He's maybe trying too hard to force those kind of big, big game-changing decisions and, it, and it's kind of gone the other way. Maybe yeah. the next time he, he makes that kind of call, it will go our way. 
fingers crossed uh, just one mm-hmm. final question for you adrian yeah. uh which comes uh from Bira in the chat um did you think because I, I said this on my post-match reaction show uh last night i felt that maybe aaron ramsdale could have done better for the bow and goal i know he's been superb in recent weeks and mm-hmm. a, a bit like Partey, a bit like saka you don't want to criticize them for what happened yesterday in isolation but it, that moment in isolation, I felt Ramsdale should have done better. Birat, I think, feels that as well. Yeah. Uh, where are you on it? I'm sure he thinks he probably could have done better. Could he have poured it away? Maybe. But I'm not going to blame him for that goal. I mean, for me, Kieran Tierney switches off. That, that That's where my finger would point if I was the, the head coach. Because as you come out, if it's a defence, you squeeze up. You've always got to scan. You've got to always look around you and say, right, where's my man? And, and Kieran's gone too high and he hasn't really looked around. And Bowen stayed in behind him. And you know that, that was the fatal error. Puts Ramsdale in a really difficult position with a volley. So, yeah, more Tierney than Ramsdale, in, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a blow, wasn't it? That was, that, was a, that was not a good moment. And the penalty miss, of course, you know, we can all miss a pair. Yeah. So, you know, Bakayo didn't need to apologise there. Um, I don't like it when players apologise because I just don't think it's necessary. Agreed. Um, didn't do it on purpose. Um, and and almost by yeah. apologising, sometimes you bring on those idiots online that are looking for yeah. someone to have a go at. You're always going to get it. And look, I think Ian Wright is a piece on The Athletic with Amy Lawrence. She spoke to, to Wrighty and, you know, it's very vociferous in his defence of, of Bukayo and I think we should all rally around him and I think those that are going to Emirates on Friday night get, show him the love, show the whole show the whole team the love and and really create a big big atmosphere and, and drive the team on to a much needed win and look, if we can go win that game, obviously we're seven points ahead of City going into the one at the Etihad, that's it, whether, you know, you take your games into a, games in hand into account but seven points is a psychological advantage We've got them on the board. Um, and if we score, you know, the first goal, please, please let us score the first goal. <laughs> if we can score the first goal, the pressure does mount then, you know, seven points behind and we're we're ahead. You know, that could do funny things to them. So um, it's a big game and we absolutely have got to get right behind the team. I think they're going to be properly pumped up for this. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, Adrian, thank you so much, mate. I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, good to speak to you again, as always. Um, are you going to be at the game on Friday? I'll probably see of course, you at the game. Of course, yeah. Yep, always, at the games, always at the games. Yeah, I'll hopefully <laughs> see you in the press room. Um, yeah, look, if anyone's not at the game, um, the Breakdown Live, Arsenal website, Arsenal app, um, myself and Nick Bright will be in the box, um, full hour build up. Um, and we've got live comms as well if you can't get to watch the game. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good show. I'm biased, but it's a good show. <laughs> no, it is. It is a fantastic show. Brilliant analysis. Um, I think it will be Dan Roebuck on comms, I think. Roebuck will um, be on comms. I can't remember who he's with. I think it might, might, yeah, might be Jeremy Alley. Yeah, I'm not, not quite sure. But but yeah, good, yeah it's a good show. Um, and yeah, normally a few celeb gooners stop by for a chat. And it's interactive. You, know, you can get in touch with the show. And then at halftime, if you don't like the coverage on TV... Come to us for half time. Come to us for full time. Um, it's on the it's on the Arsenal website and the app. It's free, so uh, get yourself involved. Well, there's no excuse not to because all I ever see on Twitter is Sky Sports and this channel and that channel are so exactly. anti Arsenal. Well, there you go. Why not go over to Arsenal's coverage uh, for a, a better? <laughs> and we and we're not. It's not. You know, it's if we play badly, we say we play badly. It's an honest 
platform. Mm-hmm. It's not that we're not allowed to be critical. Um, but look, we haven't had to be very critical this season. It's been it's been fantastic. So hopefully we'll have a good running. And uh, who knows? Yeah, wouldn't it be nice if it's still alive for that Wolves game uh, on the final day? Oh, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. <laughs> uh, guys, don't forget to leave a like on the video if you're watching us on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new. If you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review as well. Give Adrian a follow at Adrian J. Clark on Twitter. Um, I believe... You're on Instagram as well. They can find you on Instagram I am actually, too. yeah. I do put a bit of behind-the-scenes stuff, like from the, the breakdown shoots and, you know, it's mainly work stuff. But, yeah, it's just at, it's at Adrian J. Clark on Insta as well. Yeah, I'm just, I need to put a bit more effort into, into growing that. But, yeah, I'm all over it. I'm the same. My Instagram is like, yeah, I should do it, but I just, yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I I feel like... Oh, no, I'm definitely not too old for Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm going to embrace no, you're it. You're not that's too my, old that's at my all. Challenge ahead of the new season. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, guys. Uh, thank you for tuning in, Adrian. Thanks again. We'll see you all tomorrow with another edition of the show. Until then, take care. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.